everybody, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. Oh my goodness, what a great, great, great show we have planned to you, for you tonight. This is a definite show. I want you all to do, please do me a very quick favor. If you are currently online, whatever platform you're on, will you do me a favor and share this on your timeline? Go ahead and share with your friends as we are going to get started with tonight's show. We have a great, great, great show for you. For those of you who not, have not heard, we're going to be talking about a lot of different subjects today. And one of the subjects is going to be the greatest players to come from the Tampa Bay area. There are so many, many, and we're talking baseball specifically. Um, so we are going to go ahead and go over quite a few of those uh, later on in our show. We're also going to be talking about the Wade Boggs situation in a couple of minutes, about his number that was retired as a Tampa Bay Ray. And then, of course, the legendary... Emmy Award winning uh, broadcaster who's been covering Tampa Bay sports for over 30 years. That's 30 years. Will be joining us live. That is Al Keck in about 15 minutes from now. Al will be joining us on the Frankly Speaking Sports Hotline. So just a great, 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 great show planned for today. And, you know... We want to also let you know that tomorrow is, and I don't know if anyone forgot it, is the Major League Baseball draft. It's going to be five rounds tomorrow. So they took the Major League Baseball draft from uh, 40 rounds down to five rounds. And I want to uh, let all of you know, if you are listening to this show, please go ahead, leave a comment, identify yourself. we love to welcome you to the show also, at any time during this show, whether it's why we're talking about the Wade Boggs debate, why we're talking about the greatest players, that baseball players that have come out of Tampa Bay, and all the great people, and also why we're talking to Al Keck, the great legendary uh, sportscaster, ask questions. That's what we do these shows live for now. We want you to participate. The more you participate, the better the show is. And we'll definitely try to ask Al any questions that you may have. If you've already seen it, there is a poll question up. And it's going to be the first topic we talk about today before we get to the legendary Al Keck. But, you know, for some reason, if you go to Tropicana Field, if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan, the number 12 that Wade Boggs wore was retired. And me as a sports show host, I can't understand why. I, now, let me explain what I mean by that. Wade Boggs, no doubt about it, has had a Hall of Fame career. I don't think anybody can argue whether he belongs in the Hall of Fame or not. The guy had a 326 lifetime batting average, had 3,000 hits, but the only thing that he has done in a Tampa Bay Ray uniform was to get his 3,000 hit. And what do they do? They retire his number. Wade Boggs only played two years. That's all he played for, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, he did get his 3,000 hit. Yes, it was in grand fa fashion. And it was a grand slam home run. But that does that equate to enough to retire 
this guy's number. I can see if the Boston Red Sox, where he started out, had a lot of his hits, said, let's retire Wade Boggs' number. That makes sense to me. I can see maybe even if the New York Yankees wanted to, where he won a World Series, they want to go ahead and they want to, uh, you know, retire his number. That's fine. But why the heck are the Tampa Bay Rays retiring Wade Boggs' number? I do not know. And we have a poll question that you'll see right here on this show tonight. It says, did the Tampa Bay Rays do the right thing by retiring Wade Boggs' number 12? And, you know, I love to get your feedback. I love to get some questions uh, we want to welcome Craig from Tampa, Florida. Understand he's on the line now. Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us. But let us know your opinions. We like your opinions. Once again, that's what makes this show so, so great. Um, so we will definitely go ahead and, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we get your responses to that. So once again, the poll question is, did the Tampa Bay Rays do the right thing by retiring Wade Boggs' number. And I'll say this, and I've said this to plenty of announcers, if you go around and you ask any sports show host, any sports show host from Tampa Bay, and I love them all, I listen to them all, you know, even with me being in Arkansas for a little time here, you know, I still stream some of the shows, and I guarantee you, if you ask any of them, why is Wade Boggs' number retired, for the Tampa Bay Rays, the only thing they can tell you is he got his 3,000 hit. It's just a, you know, if you ask me, it's a foolish mistake by the organization to go ahead and retire his number. Um, but that is my choice, and I'd love to get your feedback. So if you don't mind, please answer the poll question, as uh, we would definitely like to go ahead and do that. Um I'm reading some of these, there's, um, you know, and one of the people here said that he did get his 3,000 hit with the Rays, but he should not have gotten his number retired. So I agree 100% with that, that his number should not have been retired by the, um, by the Tampa Bay Rays. And I will keep you updated on the poll question as we go by. I'm going to look right now and see. So far, 100% of you have said that his number should not have been retired as a Tampa Bay Rays. want to remind you again, we are about five minutes away from having the great Al Keck. If you don't know Al Keck, he's the legendary sportscaster for the Tampa Bay area. Been doing it since 1988. And for those of you online, if you can still do me that favor and share this on your timeline, share this with your friends. If you're any group, go ahead and share this live event because we're going to be talking about a lot of great things this evening. And do answer our poll question. I want to remind you, if any of you, are going to a sports bar, and you want to watch these shows live, the show I'm doing right now, you can go ahead now and watch them at a sports bar. So for those of you, let's say you're in the Brandon area, you, you like to go to Beefo Brady's in Brandon, one of my favorite places to go. 
um, go ahead, go in there, ask them if they have a smart TV. If they have a smart TV, just tell them to go to YouTube, go to Frankly Speaking Sports, and you will be able to watch a replay of this show. Do that for me. Go ahead, put me on the big screen TV. Make me bigger than I already am, and tell them to turn up the volume and listen to the show. You just ask my buddy Sean Melody over there. He'll do that for you. Um, so thank you very much for that. Want to remind you all as you're joining us now, Al Keck will be on in a couple minutes to talk to us live. Then we're going to talk about the greatest baseball players to come out of Tampa Bay. And we got a great, great list, a great, huge list. And then I also want to remind you that for those of you that, um, Love these interviews. We are going to stop doing them live from now on. So tonight's interview with Al Keck is a live interview. If you have any questions and you want to interact, want me to ask him anything, please go ahead and do so. And it gets better. It gets better and better and better. Tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. in the morning, we're going to do a live interview. We're not doing a show in the morning. We're going to do a show at night, but at 10.30 in the morning, if you happen to be home or at work and you want to listen to an interview, Jared Sandler, he is a play-by-play host for the Texas Rangers, will be joining us live in the morning. That's 10.30 Eastern time. We'll do a special interview. All we'll be doing is the interview. Then tomorrow night, oh my goodness, the shows just keep getting better and better and better. Tomorrow night, we're going to have Nick De La Torre. If you don't know who Nick De La Torre is, he is the sideline reporter for Fox Sports, and he is also the host of the Orlando Magic Radio. So he will be on tomorrow to talk about the NBA, talk about the NBA coming back, and all the great things that are going to be happening with the NBA going forward. So that is that night. So you definitely don't want to miss that. I'm sorry. I apologize. I was incorrect. Nick DeLatore will be on tomorrow. He is from Gator Country. We will be talking about the Florida Gators tomorrow with Nick DeLatore. So if you're a Florida Gator fan and you want to go ahead and speak about the Florida Gators, that is tomorrow night's show. It is Thursday's night show. I made a mistake there. Um, with Dante... Um, Marchatelli. He is the Orlando Magic uh, sideline reporter for Fox Sports, does the host for the Orlando Magic. He will join us on Thursday nights. So tomorrow night we're talking Florida Gators, all type of sports. We'll talk about the NBA MLB draft. We'll talk about uh, also uh, this upcoming year for the Florida Gators. And then on Thursday night, when we get Dante on, we'll talk about the Orlando Magic and the upcoming basketball season. We are just minutes away for, from Al Keck joining us live. Want to remind you all, I see we got a lot more people joining. Thank you very, very much for uh, listening to our show yesterday. We broke records on Facebook. We had over 500 listeners for our show last night alone, which is just incredible. And that's only including the Facebook platform. It's not including Spotify. It's not including YouTube. And it's not including Twitter. So a big, big thank you all for supporting us. Keep it going. 
Also, if you just joined us, and it looked like we had about 100 people just join us right now, we have a poll question. We talked a little bit about, at the beginning of the show, about Wade Boggs and why is his number retired as a Tampa Bay Ray. So go to our poll question. Did the Tampa Bay Rays do the right thing by retiring Wade Boggs number 12? And if you're just joining us, I said no. This guy has done nothing in a Rays uniform except for gathering his 3,000 hit, which is a milestone in itself. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be retired with the Red Sox or with the Yankees. But as a Tampa Bay Ray, my opinion, it's just my opinion, is that he definitely does not deserve to get his number retired. Um, And then, once again, later on, after Al Keck joins us, we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay greats, the ones that are the managers that have come from Tampa Bay, the players that have come from Tampa Bay, some pitchers that have come from Tampa Bay. Just a lot, a lot of talk on certain players. And, you know, we may not get um, all of the players in. We don't plan on doing that. So if you have one that you want us to know about, that's what the comment section is for. The more engagement, the more interaction we have on this show, the better off this show is going to be. And we really, really encourage fan participation. Um, you know, as we wait for Al to get on the Frankly Speaking Sports Hotline, want to let you know that um, as I'm about to tell you that, just got a message from Jeff all the way up in Connecticut. Um, you know, he says that Wade Boggs does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame as a Red Sox. And I agree with Jeff 100%. You know, there was no better hitter. I mean, when you're talking about line drive hitter, contact hitter, spraying the ball all over the field, nobody did it better than Wade Boggs. And Jeff is right. He earned the Hall of Fame, but he didn't earn it in a Tampa Bay uniform except for his 3,000 hit. Like I said, is a milestone. But, you know, I agree with Jeff. As a Red Sox, no doubt about it, they should retire his uniform number if they have not retired his uniform number. And he's a definite member, definite guy for the Hall of Fame. So, Jeff, I agree with you 150% on that. But um, And we're going to ask um, Al Keck when he joins us about his opinion on some of those things as well, as much as who's the greatest you know, baseball player he's ever seen from the Tampa Bay area. But in short, because we're just minutes away, um, I want to let you know that um, the Major League Baseball Union just proposed, just came down about an 80-game schedule to go ahead and continue the season with prorated salaries. It's the closest, supposedly, that Major League Baseball and the owners have been since these negotiations start. I would not get excited. I would not get your hopes up. As you know, baseball does have a way of disappointing us, but... I do want to let you know that they all have put together something, and hopefully, hopefully we will hear something soon. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, you know, I'll tell you about my guest that's going to be on the phone right now. Um, you know, if you, I won't say look up in the dictionary anymore, because I don't think anybody knows what a dictionary is anymore, but... 
If at any time you Google the word legendary, a picture of this guy's face will show up. Because this is exactly what this gentleman is. This gentleman has been covering sports in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. Emmy Award winning. I cannot believe how great this guy and how lucky we are to have him on again on Frankly Speaking Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great honor, thrill, pleasure, all the great things you can think of to introduce to you on the Frankly Speaking Sports Hotline. Please welcome Al Keck. Al, how are you doing this evening? Larry, I, uh, man, I'm not sure I deserve that uh, introduction, but thank you. Hey, buddy, you know, I, 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 I comes from the heart, and you know that. Um, Al, I want to get started um, with you. You know, you've been doing this for over 30 years, and, you know, we have fans from all over the globe here. Um, we actually got fans from England here as well. And, you know, did you ever think when you started out, whether, whether it was 1988 or before, that 30 years later you would have come this far? Well, you know, what's interesting is that 1988 is when I came to Tampa. You know, 1978 is when I actually started in the business in uh, Spokane, Washington. And I remember, you know, that was before the days of ESPN. And, you know, back then, on any given night, you know, it was so hard to get highlights of games because the only people that had their games televised on a regular basis were in New York or Chicago or L.A. So it was a completely different um, type of uh, sportscast then and the way we covered things and looking, you know, where it was when I stopped and where it was back then, it's, a, it's just a completely <laughs> It's a completely different world. And so, uh, but I'm so glad that I didn't have to deal with something like a pandemic to, uh, you know, to have to deal with on a nightly basis. And, you know, Al, talking about the pandemic, you know, all the stuff going on right now. And, you know, tonight we're talking a lot and we'll get into it in a little bit about some of the greatest baseball players that have come out of of the pandemic. city of Tampa, and obviously there's been lots of them, but at a time when the pandemic's going on, you have all this injustice being done, you know, in the world, you got protesting done, Um, baseball had a chance to shine, they really had a chance to shine, and to come out and really give a much needed distraction that a lot of us really needed, Um, you know, what is your perspective on all this bickering and all these negotiations that are going on between the owners and the players right now? Well, it's the same thing we've always seen between these two sides. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a workforce or an ownership group that has had more distrust uh, than, you know, Major League Baseball owners and the players. And I understand tonight that the owners or that the players are now going to make a count offer back to the owners with, I think it's an 89-game schedule, and they want their full prorated salaries that they had negotiated, uh, you know, in March when the pandemic shut down spring training. So uh, really nothing surprises me, you know, with these two. You know, I've seen strikes. I've seen lockouts. I've seen 
everything you can imagine between, you know, owners and players. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, this does not surprise me at all. And it's all kind of setting the table for another big labor dispute uh, after next season. Yeah. So, um, yep. mm-hmm. you know, who knows what's going to happen. Now, Al, tomorrow, and I think a lot of people don't even realize this because they're so upset, you know, especially the baseball nation at things, uh, you know, they're not playing, is the MLB draft, actually. Um, And it's going from 40 rounds down to five rounds, which means after the fifth round, if you don't get taken, you can now become a free agent and get a signing bonus of $20,000. What is your um, thoughts on Major League Baseball eliminating 35 rounds of the Major League Baseball draft? Well, I'm sure they will obviously draft those, you know, they'll have those five rounds. And then, you know, the Devil, or excuse me, the Rays are a, you know organization that believes very strongly in signing players in uh, Minor League Baseball, in building an organization, because... You know, they're not big on free agency. That They can't afford free agency. So there will be really good players that are available, and it's up to the players if they want to only sign for $20,000. So when you look at the Rays roster, a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer, you know, he was nowhere near a fifth-round draft pick. And, you know, that is the Rays' wheelhouse, going in and getting some later-round guys, developing them in their system. And that's what they have built their entire system around. And I'm sure that, you know, they have a list of guys that they want to go after. And I'm sure they will go after. So uh, the advantage being that, you know, now you don't have to wait for a draft and rounds going by and everyone else is going to be, you know, under the same signing situation, you know, a $20,000 bonus. So they can go out, target the guy, uh, you know, target the guys they really want, and and bring those guys in. I don't anticipate the Rays making that many changes on what they normally do because they care about those young minor league players that they can get in their system and develop from there. Now the question is, when will those guys get to play? And the Rays have, uh, you know one of the top, if not the top, minor league system, you know, top-rated minor league system in baseball. So, you know, guys like Wander Franco and uh, some of these other great young players that they like in their system, you know, what happens to them this year? You know, uh, chances are they're not going to be on the major league roster. And, oh, excuse me, just a second here. So, you know... What happens to them? And um, where will they play? And how will they be affected? And all those things, uh, you know, Major League Baseball has to look at and somehow, some way, decide what they're going to do. Um, For those of you just joining us, we are very proud to have on the Frankly Speaking Sports Hotline Emmy Award winning broadcaster who has covered sports for over 30 years in the Tampa Bay area, Al Keck. Al, you know, part of our show tonight is about 
the greatest players, like I mentioned a little earlier, that have ever come out of the Tampa Bay area. You've been covering sports for over 30 years in Tampa Bay. Was there ever a time in your 30-year career where you got an opportunity to look at a baseball player, let's say that was playing in one of the local high schools, whether it be Plant High School, Jefferson, just to name a few, Hillsborough High, and you just watched him and said, that player is going to make it in the big leagues one day. Well, here, I'll, I'll take care. I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. Um, my very first story in TV, very first story, I was um, an intern in Spokane, Washington. And I went out, and believe me, this is, these were some of the first days of videotape, believe it or not. And I went out to North Central High School in Spokane and uh, did a story on the top high school football team in the city and their quarterback. And their quarterback ended up being All-City and also ended up being All-City in basketball and was all city in baseball and was considered to be a first or second round pick. Uh, but he had signed a letter of intent to play football at Washington State. So teams kind of backed off a little bit. Well, the Phillies ended up taking him in the 22nd round. It was Ryan Sandberg. So, who went on to the Hall of Fame and is one of the greatest Cubs ever. So, I mean, that's been... You know, that's been the kind of guys I've been lucky enough to cover. That same year, uh, Mark Rippon, who won, uh, who was a Super Bowl MVP for the Washington Redskins, was also a great baseball player. Uh, you know, he was that same year. And uh, John Stockton, who was a dream teamer, was a ninth grader and played as a varsity player uh, that same year. So, I've been very lucky. You know, I saw Marcus Allen uh, was a, a quarterback in high school. Um, you know, saw him win a CIF championship. Uh, you know, what's fun is a lot of times I'm changing channels around at night, and on you know, CBS, you know, ESPN or or CBS uh, Sports or NBC Sports, they'll do a um, a, a special on, you know, some of these young athletes and where they came from or whatever. And a lot of times I'll see my sports cast on guys that they're featuring. And they'll, they'll take a clip from my sports cast. I don't even know it's in this special. And it's just, uh, it's just fun to watch. And so, but I've been very lucky uh, to have been around a lot of these kids. And the Tampa Bay area, of course, has had just some phenomenal kids. I mean, I remember Carl Everett. You know, Carl Everett was um, one of the top young players when I first got here and how he developed and went on. And Luis Gonzalez and uh, Fred McGriff, of course, had already graduated from high school and had gone on. And Tito Martinez had just gotten with the Seattle Mariners, you know, when I came here. And, you know, he was supposed to be, you know, a, a big, uh, you know, was going to be a star uh, for the Mariners and ended up having his best years, obviously, you know, with the Yankees. But, you know, there's such a tradition here when it comes to uh, youth baseball. Yeah, now, yeah. what is it, 
what is it about Tampa Bay? I mean, like you said, and you only named maybe a handful of great players, but Tampa Bay has over the years produced some uh, just a crazy number of players that have gone to the major leagues. What is it about Tampa that they keep farming these players? Well, it, there's such a tradition here, and there was such a tradition uh, of people coming over from Cuba, and where the game is, you know, has such a great history there, and then bringing that to the Tampa Bay area. I mean, you know, Tony Lusa, Lou Pinella, uh, Doc Gooden, uh, Gary Sheffield, uh, Wade Boggs probably the best one of them all, you know, a Hall of Famer and one of the best pure hitters uh, the game has ever seen. Uh, you could just go on and on and on. And so baseball was so important to these people that moved into the Tampa Bay area. They developed some great youth baseball programs, and, you know, that filtered through to high school and then, uh, you know, went to the University of Tampa to continue on and uh, the University of Florida. And then a lot of these kids just signed straight out of high school and had success. And, um, you know, when you look at some of the, you know, Steve Garvey, (laughs) I've spent a lot of time with Steve Garvey over the years. You know, there are so many guys with, uh, you know, such a great pedigree when it comes to high school baseball that went on to the major. And it's all because, Baseball was such a big part of the community in the Tampa Bay area, and it just kept developing, and it's still that way. You know, you you almost every year you have some kids that are drafted extremely high that uh, get opportunities to become major league baseball players from this area. Now, Al, we did a poll question, and you mentioned Wade Boggs, and nobody can take away the great, great career that Wade Boggs had, you know, with the Red Sox, the Yankees. Of course, he finished up his last two years with the Tampa Bay Rays. But we had a poll question today, and I want to get your opinion, and maybe you can enlighten us with a good reason, because none of us can figure it out. His number 12. We understand he got his 3,000 hit with the Rays. It was in grand fashion. It was a grand slam home run. But the Rays went ahead and retired his number 12. I mean, why did they retire the number 12 when this guy, everything that he has done, I know he's a Hall of Famer, but he did it with other teams. You know, it's not like we watch and Willie Mays played for the Mets, but you don't see his number retired with the Mets. Or, you know, Pete Rose with the Phillies. You know, they retired with the Giants or the Reds. Why why Wade Boggs' number retired? Well, at that time, and again, ownership of the Rays at that time was trying to kind of make up for lost time. You know, you think about baseball tradition in the Bay Area, and they wanted to bring some tradition to this new franchise. And so, uh, you know, when they signed him, my understanding was all this stuff was negotiated. And they said, when you get your, and one of the reasons why they signed him they wanted to see him get his 3,000 hit, you know, playing for the Tampa, then the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. So I'm sure that was all part of the deal. You know, when you retire, we will retire your number. And there was even talk back then that, you know, if you retire or when you retire, uh, we would like you 
to go in as a Tampa Bay Devil Ray into the Hall of Fame, um, which, considering he only played two years, obviously he wasn't going to do that. But, you know, all that stuff was was basically negotiated when they made the decision to bring him in. And it was, it was kind of a carrot to get Wade to sign with the, you know, to sign with the Devil Rays. And to get that, um, you know, to be able to get that record, or, you know, to get that 3,000 hit at home. Hey, now, let me ask you, there's a couple of fans on different platforms that were on tonight actually have the same question, and I figure there's probably no better person to ask than you. They want, they're looking at it and they say time is running out. What is the latest on the stadium situation with the Tampa Bay Rays? Well, they're not talking. And, well, they're not. If there are talks, it's, uh, you know, very much behind the scenes. And really, um, there is, when you look at it long term, um, there is no reason to get everyone talking right away right now. There is no deadline. There's no gun to anybody's head. There's no, um, you know, there's nothing like that as much as, you know, we'd like to see something settled. But, you know, it, it should be interesting to see Let's say, just for the sake of argument, that Major League Baseball doesn't play this season. You know, that, that's going to be really difficult for the Tampa Bay Rays, more so than a lot of teams, because their owner doesn't have the deep pockets that some of these other teams have. So that could be truly devastating, even though they don't draw that many fans. Um, it's you know, it's still really tough on ownership, to not have fans in the stands, to not sell hot dogs, to not sell beers, to not sell parking, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, they may have bigger fish to fry right now, but still it's going to come down to um, can they get a stadium deal done? Well, I can guarantee you if they couldn't get a stadium deal done for a full season, they're surely not going to get a stadium deal done for a half season. And, you know, I've told you before, I think that's, that plan is just asinine. And so, you know, people see, have such a short memory about how Major League Baseball couldn't get out of Montreal fast enough. Now all of a sudden they want to go back in, and now all of a sudden Montreal's going to get another stadium built, and they're going to get another stadium built with the promise of all the half season. So, you know, there are so many ifs. And how many times, you know, I, you know, I just in my experience here, you know, the White Sox had no chance of getting a new stadium, and they were going to move to the then Florida Suncoast Dome back in the late '80s. Well, something got done. You know, uh, the Seattle Mariners. There was uh, no way they were going to new deal in Seattle, um, and they were going to move. Jeff Spillian was going to move. Um, you know, the Mariners to here, you know, and, and again, play in the dome. Uh, something got done. The, um, you know, the San Francisco Giants, you know, they had an agreement and Major League Baseball said, no, you know, you're not going to move to St. Pete. Um, you know, we're going to, that's going to be a market for a, an expansion team. So 
all these places uh, where it looked like they would never get a stadium built, they ended up getting a stadium built at the last minute. And so that's kind of what I'm holding out hope for. I've got nothing to believe that that's going to happen except for the fact that it's just experience over the years seeing that it does seem to get done. Um, but, you know, of all the markets, I haven't seen a market that is just screaming for baseball to put a team there. I, I you know, I, I just don't see it, you know. I mean, they'll say places like, I mean, I don't see it in Montreal. I, you know, Vegas, maybe, uh, but there's a lot of other issues there. Um, it's, you know, Portland, maybe, but Portland's nowhere near the market that this is. And, um, you know, you know, maybe uh, North Carolina, but again, that's not the market that this is. So, you know, it's just a, a process that's going to have to play out. And all that being said, this area really hasn't supported a major league baseball team like I thought it would. And I remember my very first spring here. You know, you could not get, this is back in 1989, you could not get a, t- a ticket to a spring training game on any given day. You know, it was tough to go see a spring training game in this area. So, um, I just don't think that the market has really gone out the way that it could have to support Major League Baseball here. Fans will say, well, the Rays haven't done a good job putting count on the field. Uh, That's not the case now. Uh, They'll complain about the fact that the ballpark's in St. Pete. Well, have you ever tried to get to Fenway Park? Ever tried to get to Yankee Stadium or Wrigley Field or Dodger Stadium? Not fun getting to any of those ballparks. Um, so hopefully, you know, people start supporting this team the way that it really needs to be supported. Whether or not that'll turn heads enough to get a new ballpark here, who knows? Uh, Al, we are talking to Al Keck live on the Frankly Speaking Sports Hotline. Al, before I let you go, I have to ask you a final question. You know, I'm going to let's assume just for the sake of speaking that the baseball season does get played. Let's say they play between 60 and 80 games. You know, there was so much optimist, optimistic about the season, about the Tampa Bay Rays, about this young team with a possible chance to go in far in the playoffs and possibly win in the World Series. If the season does get started, what is your expectation for the Tampa Bay Rays? Two words. Who knows? <laughs> Take it a year ago, and the first 50 games for the Washington Nationals, what were they, 19 and 31? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Something crazy, and they got their act together very late in the season and obviously ended up winning the world championship. You know, if you're talking, let's say they end up getting between, like you said, between 70 and and 85 games. You know, that's a half season. Who knows what can happen? And especially with the fact that, you know, the first part of that season without, you know, having to pick up spring training again, 
You know, who knows what kind of shape these guys are in? Who knows how long it's going to take these guys to get their act together? You know, so the the fact that you have maybe a half season, if you're lucky, getting out to a big start is huge. And, um, you know, the Rays have always done a good job of putting solid talent on the field, at least in recent years. And can that talent do enough to get things going in the American East, which I don't care what anyone says about the Red Sox being down or, you know, um, any of that kind of stuff. They're still going to be, they're always tough in the East, and obviously you had the Yankees. So it's a tough division. And, um, you know, the Rays have shown, however, that, you know, they can do different things to make their roster work and uh, that's what they're really good at. So let's see what they can do with a uh, 80-game schedule. All righty. Al, as always, I want to thank you so very, very much for joining us tonight on Frankly Speaking Sports. Anytime. All right. Stay safe, my friend. All right. You too. That was the Emmy Award-winning broadcaster. He's been covering the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. That was Al Keck. And what a you know great, great insight, great, great talk about baseball with Al Keck. I do want to remind you all that we are about, in a few minutes, we're going to start talking about the greatest players to come from Tampa Bay, and we're not going to get to all of them. I would love to get fan participation on this. You know, anybody you can think of from the Tampa Bay area that has gone on to the major leagues, you know, please go ahead and do so. I do want to remind you a couple of announcements about what's going on the next couple of days here on Frankly Speaking Sports. If you have not heard, we are going to be doing an interview tomorrow at 10.30 Eastern Time on the Frankly Speaking Sports Facebook network where um, Jared Sandler, he is the play-by-play host of the Texas Rangers, is going to join us. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about the Major League Baseball draft. And we're going to talk to him about the upcoming season. And hopefully we might hear something by then. Then tomorrow night, we're going to do our show. And what another incredible show. If you are a Florida Gator fan, you definitely want to tune in tomorrow night. As we're going to have Nick De La Torre joining us. He is a beat writer for Gator Country. Gator Country, any of you that are Gator fans know what Gator Country is. It's been around since 1996 covering the Florida Gators. So definitely want to do that. Then Thursday night, Dante Marchantelli is going to be joining us. He is a sideline reporter for Fox Sports, and he is also the host of the Orlando Magic. So Thursday night, we'll be talking NBA. So as far as Tampa Bay goes, um, you know, before we get to the players, let's talk about some of the great managers. You know, when you think about some great managers, you know, you have to start off with Kevin Cash the current manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, Kevin doesn't have a winning record, but the last couple of years, he has just done a phenomenal job, an amazing imagination for the game. So when you think of managers that actually grew up in Tampa Bay, uh, Kevin Cash is one of them, and he also played with them. And then number two, you can't forget 
One of the greatest managers I believe of all time is Tony La Russa. He managed the White Sox. He managed the A's. He's managed the Cardinals. Everywhere Tony La Russa has gone, he has been successful. He has, listen to this, 2,728 wins in a 33-year management career. And he has three World Series appearance. Obviously, one with each team. Just an amazing, an amazing um, manager out of Tampa Bay. And we're going to get four of them. So we already talked about Kevin Cash. We talked about Tony La Russa. And let's now forget about Sweet Lou. Lou Pinella. Lou Pinella, he's managed the Yankees, the Cubs, the Reds, the Rays. He's won World Series is all. Also, but he was also a great player. Here's a guy that managed and played the game at a very high level. Had over 1,700 hits as a player, 766 RBIs, and he won a World Series as a manager, and he won two as a player. And whoever could forget, you know, the, the unbelievable play he made in right field in that playoff game uh, against the Red Sox when he blocked the sun and stopped the ball from going through. Unbelievable. And then I think to round up the managers as far as um, Major League Baseball, I mean, you can't think of Tampa Bay without thinking of Al Lopez. You know, he managed the Indians, he managed the White Sox, and what a tough time he had to manage. He was managing in the 50s when the Yankees were winning all of those World Series, all those pennants. So a really, really tough time. But Al Lopez uh, was also a great player. A lot of people don't know that he had 1,500 hits. And listen to this statistic. When Al Lopez played, we know how great of a manager he was, but when he played, he had the most consecutive games in a row played by a catcher. I believe it was 1,918 consecutive games as a catcher, which is just amazing. So those are the four managers when we talk about great managers from the Tampa Bay area. And, you know, I'm going to go a little in detail on some of these players. And, you know, some of you, once again, these are just 10 players that I'm naming that actually um, – uh, in my opinion, um, great players. There are more. Like, for example, I didn't have Lance McCullers on the list. Lance McCullers is a great pitcher that came out of Tampa, Florida. But I just named some 10. And if you have ones, let me know. But, you know, we already talked about Lou Pinella and Al Lopez as managers. And we included them as players. So they won't be in the players. But let's start out off with the great Luis Gonzalez. I mean, how can you forget about Luis Gonzalez? He had 2,591 hits, 354 homers, um, 668, I'm sorry, 1,439 RBIs, won a World Series, and played 18 years. Luis Gonzalez, I don't know what happened. He had 50 57 home runs one year. I believe it was, might have been with Arizona, if I remember correctly. So you got to definitely put his name on the board. Number two, a lot of people forget about this guy, but I loved him with the Astros. I loved him with the Mets. It is Derek Bell. Now, after we go through this list, I'm also going to have 
pitchers. I separated pitchers and players, and then also who's playing today. So if you don't hear somebody, they will probably be on. They might be playing today, so they'll be on that list. But Derek Bell had over 1,200 hits, 134 homers, um, 668 RBIs. He played 10 years. He won a World Series. And I still remember the night that Roger Clemens beamed uh, Mike Piazza and Derek Bell wanted to go after him. One of the vivid memories uh, that I have when uh, Derek Bell played the game. And then a lot of people forget this guy as well. I don't know why, but probably he. this guy played as part of Probably one of the de best defensive infields in all of Major League Baseball, and that is Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey with Davey Lopes, Bill Russell, Ron Say. What a tremendous infield that was. Garvey had, you know, it's amazing because you think of Steve Garvey, you think of a hitting machine, but he didn't have 3,000 hits. He had uh, 2,599 hits, uh, 272 homers. Uh, 1,300 RBIs, got a World Series, and played 18 years. Then, don't forget Howard Johnson. Oh, my goodness. Won a World Series with the Mets. Don't forget the guy from Clearwater. Come on. You know, Howard Johnson, 1,200 hits, 228 uh, homers, 760 RBIs, two World Series, uh, played 13 years. And what a career he had when he was with the New York Mets. He could get up there lefty and just stroke that ball. Now, my next one is probably, and by far, and people will dis some might disagree with me, some may agree with me, but is by far the most underrated baseball player. And I'll say that again. He is the most underrated baseball player to ever come out of Tampa Bay. And you want to know who that is? That is Dave Magadan. Um, let me tell you about Dave Magadan that a lot of people don't know about Dave. Um, Dave had, you know, the Mets have had some great first basemen. And I think Dave gets lost in that. You know, people think of Eddie Cranepool, the guy who started with the Mets. Mr. Matt, he played his whole career there. They had John Olerud. Uh, they had Keith Hernandez. You know, I want you to take the Don Clendenin, Willie Montanez. And, you know, when you look at the New York Mets and the first basements, Mag started as a third baseman. A lot of people don't know that. He was not always a first baseman. The guy was a hitting machine. This guy can spray the ball all over the ballpark, right field, left field, center field. You need a base hit. Dave Magadan was the guy to put up to the plate. Now, yes, he did lack some speed. Some people question his defensive abilities. But when you talked about an above-average hitter, that's what Dave Magadan was. And I tell people these stories. You know, when you look at statistics, which I love to look at, Keith Hitt. Hernandez, who did not play his whole career with the Mets, either did Dave Magadan, but Keith Hernandez had a 295 batting average career. John Olerud, one of my favorite Mets first basemen ever, had a 296 career batting average. Dave Magadan had a 288 batting average as um, when he played. He played 16 years. 288 batting average. Unbelievable. And you think he's probably third on the list in batting average. Eddie Murray only had a 285 
career batting average. So Dave Maggot in 288. And the other thing, he had a 390 on base percentage. And he was by far the best college baseball hitter to ever come out of Alabama and won the Golden Spikes Award. And the one thing about Dave Magadan, if you look up, if you're a stat buff, and I'm going to tell you something. I don't care about all these analytics today in baseball. You know, nowadays they have how many times you pick your butt in a game, how many times you adjust your cup, whether you win when you do it, whether you lose, do it. I don't care about that. You know, as someone who's been around some great coaches who was able to spend three months with Billy Martin, I will tell you right now, I want a guy on base and I want to know what the hitter does when runners are on scoring position. What do you do when it counts? Well, Mads had a 390 on base percentage for his career as a Major League Baseball player. If you want to put that in perspective, guys, and realize how good of a hitter this guy was, this guy, if you look on the list of on base percentage of all time, out of all the thousands and thousands and thousands of players that have played the game of baseball, Dave Magadan is number 100. 100th all time for on base percentage. That is amazing. Not only that, he won a World Series with the Mets for some reason. Took him nine years to give him the damn ring. I'm not sure why that was. And he went on to be a hitting coach and has had a very successful career as a hitting coach and won a World Series, I believe it was, with the Boston Red Sox. So you got to give Dave Maggot in, uh, you know, the first baseman. I believe it was out of Jesuit High. A lot, a lot of credit. Definitely deserves to be on that list. Then let's forget another, not another first baseman out of the University of Tampa, uh, Tino Martinez. You know, 1,900 hits, 339 home runs, uh, 1,200 RBIs. The guy has won four World Series. And, you know, I know Al Keck talked about it. You know, everybody thought he was going to be a stud with the Seattle Mariners. Don't get me wrong, he was. But, man, he blossomed as a New York Yankee, and they really did love him. Then we talk about Wade Boggs. You know, it's a whole question today, but as an overall player that has played uh, all the years that he did, he's a Hall of Fame hitter, no doubt about it. Had a 326, you know, career batting average, um, over 3,000 hits, 578 doubles. You gotta give definitely Wade Boggs. And somebody just typed in, don't forget Freddie McGriff, the crime dog. I didn't. He's next. Fred McGriff, you know, had, you know, almost 2,500 hits. Uh, you know, people, because of all that power that Freddie McGriff did have, you know, they forget that Freddie McGriff was also a great contact hitter. You know, he had 493 homers, was only seven home runs shy of 500, over 1,500 RBIs, won a World Series, and played 18 years. Then to round it up, let's not forget about the great Gary Sheffield. The guy has over 500 homers. Over 2,600 hits, 1,700 RBIs, won a World Series. He played 21 years. You know, you look at all these guys from Tampa, all these players, that position players, they went ahead and they played a long time in the major league. A lot of them 18 to 20 years, so the longevity out of these players from Tampa is just incredible. And I think Gary Sheffield deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The guy has over 500. I hope he gets his due because he was just a great, great player. Now, 
Let's not forget some of the pitchers that also came out. And, you know, two of them do not play anymore. One of them does. Uh, you can't forget about Dwight Gooden. You know, someone mentioned Lance McCullers. Yes, he wasn't on my list. I can only list so many people. But um, Dwight Gooden, you know, you think about Dwight Gooden and all the off-the-field issues he had, and the guy still had 194 wins, a 3.51 ERA, had 2,293 strikeouts, two World Series, and he still played 16 years. I can only imagine what type of career this guy would have had if he didn't get on all these off-the-field issues with drugs and everything, but still a great, great career. And then another pitcher who does not play anymore is Mike Hampton. You know, a lot of the people didn't know Mike Hampton is from there. You know, and besides being a great pitcher, Mike Hampton was an unbelievable hitter for a pitcher. He'd hit home run after home run. Had 148 wins, played 17 years. So let's not forget that. Now, as far as today's game goes, you know, let's not forget Chris Saley. You know, he's from the Lakeland area. Um, you know, Chris has been playing now for 10 seasons um, has a, you know, 78 wins, a 2.95 ERA. So you don't want to forget him. Then two players that are currently playing today, um, position players that really stick out. Um, you know, actually, before I get to that, also, uh, you know, I just thought of it. Don't forget Andrew Miller. He's from the Florida area, too. So he's also, but I think he's a little bit further north. But when you're talking about today's players, Former Tampa Bay Ray, Denard Spann. You know, I he was one of my favorite Rays when he was with the Rays. The guy just plays the game. You know, he'll hit a ball in the corner and, you know, keep he just keeps going and going and going and going. So let's not forget Denard Spann. And then to round it up, nobody can forget the unbelievable year last year with the rookie home run record at a plant high school, Pete Alonzo. 53 homers last year for Pete Alonzo, and he had 120 RBIs. He now holds the rookie home run record. He broke Aaron Judge's record. So, you know, I think Pete Alonzo has potential to be the best baseball player to come out of Tampa Bay. And oh yes, get what guess what position he plays? First base. You know, you think about and we talked about it with Magadan. We talked about the first basemans, Olerud, Hernandez, Magadan, Alonzo, McClendon, uh, Eddie Murray, all these great first basemans, and Alonzo is just an incredible amount of power, and you know. I still remember when he got the rookie record last year, Gary Cohen calling it just an unbelievable call. So, if we forgot some of them, I, I do apologize, but uh, we definitely wanted to go ahead and uh, get the, some of those plays. Hopefully you enjoyed that segment, especially 
if you are a Tampa Bay fan. And let me explain to you, tomorrow night, if you're a Florida Gator fan, you definitely want to stay tuned for Frankly Speaking Sports as Nick De La Torre, he is a beat writer for Gator Country. We'll be talking a little bit about the Major League Baseball draft, some of the Gators that have gone in the Major League Baseball draft, and also about the upcoming football season with the Florida Gators. So lots and lots and lots of good things coming throughout the week. And then on Thursday night, another live interview, not a taped interview, a live interview with Dante Marchitelli. He is a sideline reporter for Fox Sports, and he is also the host of the Orlando Magic. So we'll be talking a little bit about that as well. Um, also, for those of you that have access to smart TVs, and maybe one of your friends wasn't able to watch the show tonight. We are now on YouTube and YouTube TV. So all our shows are 